Wow, have you seen Mark's Facebook post? Yeah. What a lavish 40th birthday party. I wish he had invited us, but I guess we are no longer in his inner circle. Because obviously we're not CEOs and billionaires like them. <sighs> we all went to the same school and he even dropped out, but we graduated. But look at us now, he's way more successful than we are. I'm suddenly depressed about turning 40 next month. I'm such a failure. I haven't accomplished anything worthwhile. You feel that too? No, not really. I don't feel that way. It's alright. Huh? Why? Aren't you stuck at that dead-end job and turning 40 soon as well? No, I'm not turning 40. I'm just turning 10. What? You were born the same year as me. What are you talking about? But my birthday falls on February 29. So I celebrate it only every four years. everyone, welcome to the 64th episode of Banana Q Podcast. Today's episode was suggested by our cutie, Ken Osar, who said, quote, Miss D, can you include midlife crisis in your future contents? No pressure. Would love to hear your thoughts about it, unquote. Well, Ken, today we are granting your wish. Yes. A bit of a disclaimer, though. We are not professionals when it comes to the mental health. We are not licensed therapists, so... Whatever we discuss here, it's not professional advice. It's just our personal experiences with this topic. So I suppose let's start with what is midlife crisis? So there is an article on theatlantic.com which gives this history. The midlife crisis was invented in London in 1957. That is when a 40-year-old Canadian named Elliot Jacks stood before a meeting of the British Psychoanalytical Society and read aloud from a paper he had written. Addressing about 100 attendees, Jacks claimed that people in their mid-30s typically experience a depressive period lasting several years. Jacks, a physician and psychoanalyst, said he'd identified this phenomenon by studying the lives of great artists in whom it takes an extreme form. In ordinary people, symptoms could include religious awakenings, promiscuity, a sudden inability to enjoy life, hypochondriacal concern over health and appearance, and compulsive attempts to remain young. Mm. This period is sparked by the realization that their lives are halfway over and that death isn't just something that happens to someone else. It will happen to them too. He described a depressed 36-year-old patient who told his therapist, Up till now, life has seemed an endless upward slope with nothing but a distant horizon in view. Now suddenly, I seem to have reached the crest of the hill, and there, stretching ahead, is a downward slope with the end of the road in sight. Far enough away, it's true, but there is death observably present at the end. Jacques didn't claim to be the first to detect this midlife change, but he offered a modern clinical explanation and, crucially, he gave the experience a name, the midlife crisis. So this is the beginning of this after all, right? And that is why it's called midlife, right? It's the middle of your life. Hmm. Actually, at the beginning, it was about people in their 30s. So I was surprised yeah. about this information. Uh, maybe because in 1950s, people lived only up to 60, which is not the case, <laughs> right? People lived longer than 60. So why would they 
termit midlife crisis. Maybe it was just it rolls the tongue. It's easy to say. Did people die in their seventies? That would make more sense, right? If it's thirty-five. Nineteen fifty-seven. Maybe it could be right because as medical sciences became more modern, became more intelligent in identifying sickness and dealing and giving medicine, then our lifespan has expanded, right? So maybe in 1957, 35 was considered midlife already? Maybe. But even so, I think even now, even though the average lifespan now is above 80s, right? 80, 85, Mm. something like that. But I think we still start experiencing some of these feelings, I guess, Mm. in in maybe mid-30s, right? Maybe it's not full-blown midlife crisis, but you start to feel it. My friends and I were talking about this in the past few months. We were thinking that the pandemic and more recently a friend's death had pushed us into midlife crisis earlier than usual. But I'm wondering that maybe it wasn't an early push, that actually we were just right on schedule. Who knows, right? (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) Or maybe what you're feeling is quarter-life crisis. Like I've heard (laughs) quarter-life crisis as well. No, but quarter-life crisis should be in people in their 20s, right? Unless you live to be 100 who knows? In our lifetime, maybe there, there will be. Yeah, maybe there will be a <laughs> a, a medicine, a vial mm. that could extend life by twenty years. I don't know. Who knows? That's entirely possible. Anyway, <laughs> it's worth noting that the term midlife crisis has never been an official mental health diagnosis. It's not like anxiety or depression, right? So it's just like mm. something that some people go through. Not everyone goes through it. So one study reported that just 26% of Americans believe that they have experienced one. Real or make-believe, it's a fact that the ages of 40 to 60 are punctuated by doubts, questions, disillusionment, and changes. Mm. This is true for both men and women, but it also seems to be more common in Western culture than in other cultures. So what we want to try to answer in this episode is, do Filipinos also experience this? Yeah. As we said, we will try <laughs> based on our own experience and maybe based on what we've seen, right? With the people surrounding us. Yeah. And as we said, it is not an official mental health diagnosis. So I think the best way for us to answer that question is maybe we look at the symptoms of midlife crisis and see if that is relatable to us. Yes, And from the article that we've found in Forbes.com, it lists many symptoms, maybe 15, and we've kind of selected only a few because otherwise this will become a two-hour <laughs> podcast knowing us. <laughs> we, we always go into sidetracks with our discussion. So the first symptom that we will talk about is you've lost your purpose or you're confused and unclear on your direction. Oh. I could relate this to maybe your career. Mm, yes. Like wherein you, you probably would have thought, oh, by the age of 30, I will be a director in a, in a company or I will be a manager. So something like that. Or it could be life goals. Mm. And then all of a sudden you've assessed, hey, I'm now 35 and I look back on my previously written goals, I am nowhere near (laughs) to achieving it. So is this really my life's purpose? Mm. Uh, Maybe not. So there's that 
time of reckoning or you reassess yourself or maybe maybe it's not because of age like midlife crisis we mentioned about you are arriving at your middle point and you have a sense of mortality you fear that you won't reach your goals whilst you're still alive but it could be there's a tragic event that happened right could be you mm-hmm. mentioned alluded earlier that the death of your friend brought the idea so it could be something tragic as well that you reassess hey Is this what's important in life? Mm. Was I too mature to really put that as my purpose in life? Then you, you yeah. try to reassess. I, I've made that reassessment myself in my career. We both worked the same company before, right? <laughs> yes. Sitco, for a long time, and I, I'm easily bored. And I was like, hey, is, is this? I, I feel that there's more to my life than just day in day out, working for one same company, doing the exact mm. same thing from nine to five, and that's why. Instead of moving from one company to another, <laughs> I moved to different houses. Have I mentioned this in, in the podcast? I don't think you've mentioned it in the podcast, but to me, yes. During my first job in Singapore, obviously, it's quite hard to look for another job, uh, knowing that I'm still young. Uh, I don't have enough experience to be, I would say, have that bargaining power to move mm-hmm. to another company, right? So I'm still trying to amass skill sets and experience. So I have no choice. I have to stick with the same company. And knowing the kind of work that we do day in day out, it's it's repetitive. It's actually the yeah, same thing. Very boring. So I got bored, and so instead of moving to another company, mm. I just moved to another house. So I kept <laughs> house hopping for like <laughs> I think I moved every six months. Do you remember? Were you allowed to move every six months? Isn't it that you usually renewed every year? The places that I've stayed, they were very. Laxed because it was mm. it wasn't really like a room that I'm renting. It's like a bed space. Oh, okay. So I think you moved every six months before you eventually moved in with Gemma and Mildred, right? In Basiris. Ah, yes. That was before I eventually moved in with you guys. Then kind of stayed because there's now a reason to stay. There's now kind of like I have a new purpose <laughs> in life. But before it was like I was so bored with what I do, what I was mm. doing. So. Kind of like looking for another challenge. Have you felt the same? Like you've lost your purpose in life? Yeah, of course. I felt this way. And as you said, you mentioned my friend when he died. We kind of talked about this. We just suddenly had this realization that life is so short. Like mm, you know, midlife yeah. crisis. You think I'm in the middle of my life, but with my friend Ronald, he died before he even reached midlife crisis. Right? Yeah. It just makes you question a lot of things. Like. As you said, a purpose in life. Yeah. Because I think we have watched all these movies, maybe, and read these books. Like, for example, I think there's a book by Paolo Coelho, which is about finding your purpose. Mm. The Alchemist or something, I think. So it's like you start to question, what is your purpose for being on this earth? Yeah, I think you're right. I think it was The Alchemist by Paolo Coelho. It was about that guy who was searching for treasures. But then, throughout his journey, he kind of realized that there's more to what is material. I think that's what we do as well in our twenties. We kind of set goals that are too idealistic.、Mm. We feel that hey, by thirties, I should do this, I should do that. But then later on, we realize that there is more to life than what we thought it will be. Maybe when we were younger, yeah, and that's why maybe it hits us that we question our past choices. But then we need to be more agile, right? We need to、mm. adjust and change course as and when.、Uh, we shouldn't feel bad about it. It just means we're growing.、Mm. We're making better choices. We are more wise, I would say. A friend of mine, right? Her husband hit his 
40s mm. and she said he went through a midlife crisis which was centered around this question exactly mm. he was questioning what his purpose was in life mm. and then she doesn't really believe in that thing like for her her purpose in life is like to live to enjoy the fruits of her labor and all that oh. and there's actually a movie soul have you seen it it's made by pixar and it's on disney plus uh it's on my watch list because i've seen the pixar shorts making of soul remind me what what's the overall plot of soul soul is about this guy who got accidentally brought into the pre-existence he's trying to get back to earth mm. because he feels like he hasn't found his purpose and the whole movie is like it's pointing towards you know, you think that the resolution is for him to find his purpose, mm. but actually the spark to life is not the purpose of why you are there, but rather it's all the small things that make you happy, right? Ah, so it's it's not the destination, it's the journey. The yes, way exactly. <laughs> yeah, so it's like <laughs> that. So y- your purpose in life is to enjoy it, mm. which kind of makes sense. Like if you are trying very hard to find what is my purpose, am I supposed to be the next messiah? Am I supposed to be the next Steve Jobs or whatever? you're really going to be unhappy, right? Because it's like a mystery that you cannot solve and you're annoyed that, you know, I'm almost 40 and I still haven't found the reason why I was put on this earth. But what if the reason why you were put on earth was just to live, you know, to be the person you are, to be friends to your friends, to be able to enjoy eating a chocolate cake, you know, that sort of thing. Just a simple (laughs) joy in living. (laughs) Yes, Yes, you're right. I think we sometimes are too focused on our direction when in fact we kind mm. of get lost and we don't anymore appreciate the more important things that are around us uh, relationships with our friends and family mm. anything like you, you save up everything that you have for the future and you you forgot how to enjoy yourself as well like mm. give a little something spend the weekend like save your sanity <laughs> don't work too hard exactly because you are always like saving everything for the next big step whenever that is. As you said, the journey, right? So it's like you're watching How I Met Your Mother and you're not enjoying it because you just really want to know who the mother is. <laughs> but actually, the joy is in the journey. Yeah, You're having fun while watching the episode, even though the ending is crap. Like if you ignore that, right? Just enjoy the jokes. Enjoy all the Barneyisms and all that. That's the fun. That's mm. the journey, right? What a journey. <laughs> point two is everything feels like a chore. Mm. So we get to a point in our lives where we are known for what we do and people rely on us to do it. And we have been consistently rewarded for that combo. But then suddenly we have a crisis about it. Why is mm. that? We are missing the passion. That is why. Mm. When you have a need that intersects with a strength but you lack passion it is called a chore when this happens you often find yourself asking why wondering how you got here or not wanting to get out of bed even right you also catch yourself feeling like you're running on autopilot with no goal in sight so it's kind of maybe because you lost your purpose you're kind of rudderless right Mm. when i read this i realized something it's just that i've been through this before and i even wrote about it so here's what i wrote I just read the post of a friend who said that she recently got tired. I could relate because that was exactly how I felt lately. I'm exhausted with life and who I am of giving too much and getting little back. So I get my friend's point. She got tired. I am tired too. 
I'm tired of prioritizing everyone but being no one's priority. Whenever people need someone, they always call you and you always go meet them. A dorm roommate once observed. But when you're the one who needs to go somewhere, you always end up going alone. That was 12 years ago, yet it's still true today. 12 whole years of being that person. Trust me, it takes a toll. I know this is selfish, but I am so damn tired. Lately, I feel like I'm just an autopilot. I wake up. I eat. I work. I talk and smile and laugh. I'm just going through the motions of what is expected of me because it's unacceptable to do anything but. But I really don't care anymore. I used to care a lot. But now, I just feel empty. Worthless. Pointless. Like I could slip into oblivion and the world wouldn't have lost anything. I am tired. So see, I went through that. <laughs> oh, that was deep. There's a lot to unpack there. First, you mentioned autopilot and it made me remember that movie Click. Okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, he was an autopilot uh, during the times when he fast forwarded through life, right? Yes. So it was like him being oblivious to his surroundings. He's just mm. doing what it is that he's programmed to do. And it reminded me as well of kind of like our work before. Like if we don't know why we're doing things, mm. things can get really mundane, right? Like, mm. oh, I'm opening this file. I'll, I'll copy this row to this row. And then it's just follow steps A to Z. I'm just like, but why am I doing this? You get tired because <laughs> there's no higher meaning. There's no rich substance to it. You're just following steps A to Z. And kind of like what you've mentioned in your letter that you could just stop what you're doing and nobody would notice. <laughs> yeah, that's the feeling, right? So you do go through these phases, I suppose. So it's part mm. of that. But of course, it's not permanent. So I got out of this phase. Mm. But then sometimes I go back. So it's like, <laughs> mm. that's the journey, right? Because that's how it is to be human. Mm. Gulong ng palad. Again. <laughs> have, have we sang gulong ng palad before? Yes, I think we, we did. Have. It, it ebbs and flows, right? It's, it's ups and downs. And that's what makes life exciting. Like, it's not static. It's always changing. Yes, exactly. Point three is, you're successful, but not satisfied. Mm. We've alluded to the career earlier and i think it's about being too focused on the rat race trying to climb that corporate ladder and then once you're on top or once you've reached your goals yeah is this it it's like you you feel you're not satisfied maybe you hyped it up too much and i think it's the same as the what jacks mentioned in, in in your earlier passage right that you've climbed the mountain and then what you see is not really what you envisioned before Kind of reminded me of us climbing Mount Fuji three years ago. Uh-huh. It was a long climb. And then, you know, I imagine it once we reach the peak, it will be beautiful. It will be exciting. But once we got there, it was very chilly. It was very cold. <laughs> and then there are a lot of people. I was taking a photo of the sunrise. It was beautiful, but it's just not what I imagined. There's a lot of people, ah, go shouting. It was very noisy. Mm. There's nothing natural about it. <laughs> like people <laughs> with their cameras. Mm. Okay. So it was disappointing. I was a little bit 
disappointed, yeah. And especially, it took us a lot of effort to, to go there, <laughs> spend a lot of money, and, and to witness that. Yeah, maybe I also hyped it up too much in my mind. Mm-hmm. I fantasized that, oh, I'm standing and there will be clouds, it'll be beautiful, it'll be perfect. But no, it wasn't perfect. And yeah, kind of like a little bit disappointed. And we've written here that it also is applicable to Olympic winners. Yes. So there are studies that say that they go into depression because the moment you reach what you've trained for your whole life, so what next? Ah. So that's why they go into depression because there is nothing more to do. And even the guy who stepped on the moon, the second one, Buzz Aldrin, he was also diagnosed with depression. And actually there's an article in biography.com where it mentions here that... um. Aldrin joined the board of directors of the insurance company in Omaha and and he did so many things, right? However, these activities were either unfulfilling or unsuccessful. And after nearly 20 years in the Air Force and another seven with NASA, the career serviceman realized he was heading into an abyss. Mm. I wanted to resume my duties, but there were no duties to resume, he wrote in Magnificent Desolation. There was no goal, no sense of calling, no project worth pouring myself into. Ah. Because he had already reached the moon. What else is he gonna reach? The sun. <laughs> He's gonna no, die. He can go to the, sun. <laughs> <laughs> the moon is not the end. What he the can heck? go for but, but I understand. <laughs> that is something common as well to child actors and actresses who've already made it at a very young age, right? Mm, and yeah. we have this human as we are, we kind of have this tendency that we want to be better than what we were mm. before. And if you've achieved something high, the notion of achieving something higher scares us, right? It's like, mm. what else could satisfy me if I'm already like receiving $200 million of income every year? So mm. maybe 210? Will that make you happier? I don't know. And I kind of can relate to what's mentioned, Buzz Aldrin, child actors, and Olympic winners. Luckily, I came across this excerpt from a book written by Matt Rod. So the title of the book is Man Down, Why Men Are Unhappy and What We Can Do About It. So he said, memory is unreliable, but when I think back to how I felt a decade ago, it was definitely different. I was closer to 30 than 40. 50 was another island altogether. At work, I was climbing the career ladder at my newspaper, never stopping to look back down or consult the health and safety manual. I clocked up long hours and felt pleased that there were long hours up which to clock. But this imbalance was all worth it because I was climbing the ladder. And if I got bored of that ladder, there were always other ladders. Although, even in that deluded state, I could accept that I'd left it too late to be a rock star or a lower division goalkeeper. So yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> but his point is, like when you were young, there are so many ladders to climb, right? Mm. Like you could jump jobs anytime. It's fine. But when you reach a certain age, like, let me continue what he said. Now though, my career options have narrowed to the point where it no longer feels like there are any. More bafflingly, this narrowing is all entirely theoretical. But in my heart of hearts, I know I'm set. I'm stuck. I'm an old dog with non-transferable tricks. And I'm not the only one. How many other men in management positions are unhappy in their careers and would like to change? Hmm. So there's that's also another thing, right? It's more of boredom, I guess. 
maybe you've reached the, you know, you've reached management position and then you realize, okay, now what, what do I do? But you cannot just easily go back down, right? It's not that easy because you're stuck. Because, of course, your salary is at that point where, okay, if you want to be a rock star, start from scratch, then how much are you going to earn? Nothing, right? And if yeah. you have kids, you cannot just say to your kid, okay, kid, just next few months, you're just going to be eating instant noodles. <laughs> you cannot do yeah. that to your kid. <laughs> At some point, you try to measure the risks that you can take because you're right, it will be very limiting at that mm. point in time. More so in the Western kind of culture than in the Philippines, mm. right? In the Philippines, it's very hard to imagine you, say, for example, you've, you've made a career in accounting. You're now mm. a director of some auditing firm. Mm. It's very unorthodox to think that that person can all of a sudden risk everything and then become mm. somebody else totally different say want to venture out into music right yes. it's, it's a very <laughs> very different route <laughs> unless of course maybe you you measured hey maybe i'm okay i've already amassed enough money to make not necessarily be well off but be comfortable in life until retirement and then you know just spend my time as a musician like not really earning enough but at least i'm doing something i'm passionate about so yeah, I don't know. It does get weird at the age of, let's say, 40s, 50s. Because you're so close to retirement. You, you don't want to mess it up. Yeah, that's true. And I think especially if you have kids mm. and a wife is dependent on you, right? You cannot ask your wife to support everyone. Yeah, Maybe you could do it if maybe you're single. For example, my friend in his late 30s, he decided that he had had enough of finance. So he was a vice president mm. of a... <laughs> of a bank <laughs> and mm. he decided to quit and study again to be a chef in Barcelona wow. so that's something that he could do because as you said maybe he had saved up enough and all that mm. but at least nobody was depending on him right like he didn't have a kid that he had to feed and all that and that's mm. why he was able to do it I, I think maybe he probably was kind of into midlife crisis maybe right I would think mm. because he realized I cannot keep doing this for the rest of my life which is what midlife crisis is all about, right? You have this realization yes. that I cannot keep doing this. This is yeah. not what life is meant to be, that sort of thing. So that's what he did, and that's why he did it. That's amazing. And how, how is he now? Is he doing well? Is he doing okay? He already finished uh, his studies because I think it took like a year or something. So now he is an, uh, is it a, not apprentice? Um, I think intern, is that the right term? You know, in working for a restaurant as mm. an intern. And then after that, though, he needs to apply for a job. So right now, that's what he's trying to do. I don't know if he's going to find a job. I hope he does, though. He's saying if he doesn't find a job there, then you know, he could go back to the Philippines. And maybe, you know, if he has enough money, he could try putting up his own restaurant or something, right? He could always do that. Mm. But I think he prefers to try being a chef in Europe first, if he could do that. Yeah. That is, that is interesting because being an accountant, being a creative accountant is kind of like frowned upon, right? Because it means like maybe you're fudging the numbers, you're yeah, putting no. numbers uh, elsewhere. Okay. But uh, we, we, we are bound by rules. We're very mm. rules-based. And to shift from that to something so creative like culinary mm. arts, it's, yes. it's really like a very big turnaround. So, mm. so yeah, yeah. Good, good for him. And I really wish him all the best. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> So you're overwhelmed by the ticking clock. Tick, tock, tick, tock, tick, tock, tick, tock, tick, tock. <laughs> <laughs> so 
So as the years roll by, sometimes we are overwhelmed by the time we have left to live out our dreams and create our best life. So mm. those people who are already successful, which we mentioned earlier, the awareness of time becomes, is this it? I'm done. Now what? Is the rest of my life going to be this boring? But for those who feel like they have not attained success, they do the opposite, right? They panic at the thought that they are running out of time to accomplish this. Hmm. I think, oh my God, I'm supposed to be a manager. I look at Ray, he's already a manager. I'm the same hmm. age, but I'm not. So they panic about this, that, you know, I don't have enough time. I'm a failure, that sort of thing. And I remember there was one episode in the TV show Modern Family where the character named Cam turned 40. And at first he was in denial about it. He insisted that he was only 10 years old because his birthday was on February 29. So he's saying, no, this is my 10th birthday. <laughs> uh, it doesn't work that way. <laughs> yeah. But then finally, when he accepted that he was 40, he started crying. All along, the reason he was denying it was because he was afraid to face up to the fact that he was 40, but a failure because he had not accomplished anything. But then mm. his husband told him that, you know, you're not a failure, right? You have a family and you're a good father to our daughter and all that. And, you know, made him realize that he wasn't really a failure. Sometimes you're just very hard on yourself, right? Like you think that the basis of success or whatever is just, you know, your job, whether you bought a house or you have a Ferrari or something, but it's not necessarily that, right? It really depends on you. What is your personal goal? And you really Mm. shouldn't, compare yourself to others because different people have different journeys right yeah i guess that's the downfall of the sticking clock (laughs) imagine yourself being in an examination right if Mm. you keep on checking the clock you won't get anything done because you you all constantly feel that pressure (laughs) but if you just you know just forget about the clock for once and just focus on what it is that you're doing you probably get more done than being too anxious about the ticking clock at least that's how it works for me during exams. I I don't let the time pressure you. Otherwise, you'll just panic mm. and just circle or select letter C as your answer for, <laughs> for all the <laughs> questions. And that's one way to fail. Yeah, that's true. I think you have a point. You can be agile about it as well. Mm. Even if that's what your goal was in the beginning, you could always change it, right? If you realize, because sometimes you have a dream, you think that's your dream, but when you reach... When you either reach it or you don't reach it, you realize that that's not really what's meant for you, right? Like maybe, for example, you really want to be a singer, but you don't really have a good voice or something. So why why are you so insistent on that dream? You know what I mean? (laughs) Perhaps it's time to reconsider. (laughs) And and that's why we, we need friends, right? That's why we need people around us because it's so hard to read the label from inside the bottle, right? You need somebody mm. from the outside to give you feedback that, hey, maybe the singing career is not for you. I mean, you've, <laughs> you've banged your head too hard on this thing. It doesn't really budge. And, and that just gives me the idea as well that sometimes we are too hard on ourselves. Like we conflate our success with just our skill, but chances are a lot of it is through luck as well. Like for me, I'm lucky because I had academic scholarship when I was studying. Without that, I I don't think I would have been able to study. And without mm. my diploma, I wouldn't have been hired by a company, made myself a career. So I think we, we try to punish ourselves too hard on things <laughs> that didn't happen. 
and we think that it's our fault. Sometimes it's not really our fault. We just ran out of luck and maybe try and, and change, pivot to another direction maybe. So it, it works two ways. Maybe you, you got lucky and that's why you're successful. Maybe you're not so lucky and that's why it didn't go out so well. So don't punish yourselves too hard. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and besides, it's, there's no single basis to qualify success, right? Yes. There are many different ways to look at it. Like someone could mm. be very, you think he's very successful because he's rich, he has a mansion and all these things, but then, you know, he doesn't have any friends or, you know, his mm. family hates him because he doesn't have time for his family, that sort of thing. So you don't really know what's going on with people's lives, right? That's right. And whenever the topic goes into getting old, fear of not doing anything when you're older, I always remind myself of the story of Colonel Sanders. Do you know the, the, the founder of KFC? Yeah. He started KFC in his maybe 50s. I, I may be wrong, but on a, on a very late stage in his life, like he discovered that his recipe of chicken is popular. And that's how he spun it into a business. And look at how KFC oh. is now. Like It's a very yeah. big business. So it's never too late. Maybe it's not just your time yet. Your time is yet to come. So yeah, don't panic. Don't fret too much. Don't punish yourself. That's true. You have a very good point. And yeah, that's good about Colonel Sanders. And maybe that's why like his picture, right? He has white hair. So because ah, he's, yeah, he's exactly, really yeah. old when he's cover KFC, which is really mm. good. That means we still have a possibility of creating the next KFC. Yes. But if you like chicken, consider Chicken Joy of Jollibee. <laughs> Here we go, get me the Jolly <laughs> <laughs> It might change your mind. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh my god. Okay. And the final symptom making big changes that aren't you, in quotes. Mm. Yeah. So, a typical example of this is sports car. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a guy in his 40s or 50s buying a red sports car. A Ferrari. That's a clear sign of <laughs> midlife crisis. Like, why would you need a red sports car? You're in your 50s. And in our language, that's called nagmumurang kamatis. And I don't really know exactly why it's called nagmumurang kamatis. I've heard it, but I have no idea why it's called that. Like, what does that even mean? Yeah. The, the tomato is cheap? Uh, what does that have to do with anything? I'm confused. <laughs> so, um, native Tagalog speakers. <laughs> Please let us know. <laughs> Need your help. Explain. It's anything that you decide on that's so uncharacteristically you, right? Yeah, but I think in, in the movies, they usually, yeah, the car thing, the sports mm. car, and also getting a younger girlfriend, like way too young, right? That's ah. the caricature. <laughs> of a man with a midlife crisis. But I don't know how often that actually happens, but that's what yeah. usually happens in the TV shows. <laughs> yeah, because maybe they're thinking that men are measured by their worth, their possessions, the money that they have. So maybe that mm. is why when a man hits his midlife crisis, he goes and buys a car. Whereas mm. women, when they... Have a midlife crisis. It's usually about trying to look young. Mm, so maybe getting yeah. some kind of plastic surgery is very horribly obvious. <laughs> uh, it's about trying to reclaim their youth because women, we are actually judged by our looks, right? So that mm. is why that's how the women handle their midlife crisis. Mm. I mean, don't get us wrong, right? 
looking attractive, being able to flaunt possession. Uh, I would say that's kind of normal. That's like a human mm. instinct to reproduce, right? Like we're yes. we want to mm-hmm. look good to to our opposite sex. So I think it is normal. But you're right. Maybe something so uncharacteristically mm-hmm. you that's definitely a sign. I, I I've I've done this maybe in the past. What like, do you mean? What? You had a younger girlfriend? That's no, 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 about no. this. <laughs> <laughs> not that example. <laughs> like doing something totally out of the ordinary just ah, okay. because I felt that hey, I need I need to do something exciting. Like I'm so bored. I need to do What did you do? I'm I'm trying to recall but definitely I've done this before. Maybe Like I, I save a lot of money. I don't want to dine out too often because I want to save money. But then all of a sudden, I buy this very expensive item. It's like, why? Mm. Like, I just can't explain it. Like I'm saving money. I'm cutting corners on on my expenses <laughs> on on very basic stuff. But then all of a sudden, I spend something unreasonably expensive. For example, I just can't explain uh-huh. it. It's just sometimes I just do it. I, I need to feel that some so, something. I need to excite myself. <laughs> yeah, I need to feel alive. <laughs> No, but I get you, right? I I know that mm. feeling. It's like you're bored, you know. You're kind of depressed about whatever, like life in general. Maybe the pandemic last year, right? And that's why mm. you feel like you just suddenly randomly splurged on something because life is too short. Yeah. Usually, that's that's when it happens for me as well. It's like you realize, like life is too short to be saving all this money. And what if I suddenly die tomorrow, and mm. I'm not even going to be able to enjoy the fruits of my hard-earned labor, you know? And that yeah. is probably those moments when you yes. suddenly decide to splurge. <laughs> Am I right? <laughs> yeah. And and w- when I realized that I have those tendencies, I kind of made it regular in a sense that, say, for example, going out, wear something fancy, go to a restaurant that would cost more expensive than usual and, and try to limit myself like hey it's been two years since i did that and then i talked to my wife why don't we do it again yeah just to feel that hey we're alive try to change the pace <laughs> a little bit <laughs> yeah yeah but i think that's fine right as long as you're mm. not hurting anyone by doing that i mean that is yeah. money that you earn you yeah. do deserve to spend it right so as long as you obviously don't spend a million dollars on a meal <laughs> then i think it's okay I think I slip into depression whenever I do that. Like I'm into that mode where I need to save, save, save. I need to be serious. I need to, and then in the end, because I'm not having fun anymore, right? Because mm. I'm not going out. I'm just going home directly so that I don't spend on anything. But then in the mm. end, I get depressed because I don't even treat myself to anything, and that oh, is why, yeah. yeah, it's a slippery slope. So I think it's better to just not. It's like being on a diet. If you go in a diet, if you oh, I'm not gonna eat this. But then all the more that you get tempted to suddenly explode one day You're and right. just eat everything. <laughs> so it's good to have cheat days. Yeah, I think you should do that like every once in a while. The question is: Do we think that midlife crisis is common in the Philippines? When we were young, I think that this wasn't that common. Maybe because our parents were too busy fighting fires to have the time mm. to question their life choices, right? Like, at that moment, their problem was having money to feed my kid and myself. Yeah. Maybe midlife crisis is not such a third world thing because everyone is having a crisis every day, <laughs> not just thinking <laughs> about their midlife, like, What right? do you mean midlife crisis? <laughs> That's my every day. <laughs> 
everyday crisis. <laughs> yeah, and I think there's a saying that the idle mind is the devil's playground, which mm. means that if you have nothing to think about, that's when you get bored and then there's nothing to occupy your mind, right? You're not having problems with where am I gonna get money for my, my kids' food. So that's mm. when you have time to actually question your life choices and all that because you need to fill your mind with something, right? So yeah. maybe that's why I don't think it was common in the Philippines. What do you think? Yeah, I think you're right. People are too busy putting a fire day to day, putting food on the table. But I would say more and more in the future, it will become relevant to us because generally the income, the household income is getting higher and higher in the Philippines. Mm. Like more job opportunities are there through industries like nursing, BPO, the quality of life that people generally have is is better compared to before. So I think this may happen to more people right now than if we compared maybe 10, 20 years ago. But I think people shouldn't panic like we've discussed at length, right? Like in, in every crisis, there's always an opportunity, right? If you get mm-hmm. bored, then you feel adventurous to explore something else. And then all of mm. a sudden, oh, you discovered... Yeah, I didn't know I was good at cooking. Like you're an accountant mm. and all of a sudden, mm, I think I want to be a chef. And then your friend went to Barcelona yeah. and made a career out of it. And all of a sudden, he's now the top chef in Barcelona who is now a Filipino. <laughs> it's like a Filipino getting back at Spain. <laughs> we are better at you. I hope Magdila Angelka. <laughs> <laughs> so I think what I'm trying to say is don't be afraid of crisis because... Chances are there's that opportunity just waiting for you to do something about it, right? It always depends yeah. on how you react to the things that are given in front of you. If you crumble, then yeah, sorry for you. But if you rise above it, then I think something else, something bright, something shining like a diamond is waiting for you at the end of the rainbow. Isn't it gold at the end of the rainbow? You are mixing metaphors. I'm, I'm, yeah, I am mixing metaphors. <laughs> but I don't want to say it. In a sense that, you know, giving blank platitudes as well. Like, if you're really struggling, nothing seems to be working, try and reach out to a friend. Like, maybe you're reading it from the inside of the bottle, as I've mentioned earlier. Ask for advice. Like, because I've mentioned that it may happen more often to us now, right? Maybe if you're listening to this and you are kind of like ticking all the boxes that we've mentioned, all the symptoms, try reaching to a friend. Talk about it, right? I think talking about these things kind of makes you discover <laughs> a lot more. And for all you know, you're all feeling the same way, right? Or if not a friend, if you can afford it, you could actually talk to a therapist, right? Mm. And, and some companies, they also offer the free EAP, Employee Assistance Program, right? Mm. Like just maybe five sessions with a counselor to tackle your specific issue. And you yeah. can take advantage of that. That's free, right? That's right. Like if maybe ask around, maybe your company has that. We've mentioned this in a, in a podcast episode that we were invited to, that there's a different stigma in the Philippines. Mm. If people know that you went to a therapist or a shrink, yeah, people kind of have that negative connotation that mm, maybe there's something wrong with them, with that person mentally, because why does he have to reach professional help? But if you compare that with the US or any other Western countries, right, it's actually encouraged for people to actually talk to therapists. Because they're professionals, right? Yeah. You're not the master of everything. Chances are you need advice. You need help from somebody who's actually studied it or have seen versions of that multiple times. So yeah, 
if you don't want to do it because you're afraid of that stigma or maybe because you feel it's too expensive, right? You usually by the hour or something like that. Yeah. Then that's why you take advantage of the EAP. <laughs> <laughs> yes. We actually, in most of my companies that have been employed, there is that service, but I don't know if anyone has actually made use of it. Now that you've mentioned that, I, I want to I wanna use that. Yeah, I actually did. <laughs> Oh, you did? And how was that experience? That was last year because of pandemic and mm. I was by myself, right? So because EAP, how it works is like you have a special case. Mm. It's not like if you have depression, they cannot tackle that, right? Because it's an ongoing thing. Mm. But if you just have an issue, right? Like, you know, you're grieving, somebody died, that sort of thing. Then you can reach out to them and then you can talk to them for five one-hour sessions, this sort of thing. So my issue last year was, well, obviously, I was by myself. It was the pandemic. Mm. I didn't have friends. And one day, I was just suddenly randomly crying, and I couldn't understand why I was suddenly in the middle of the day crying. And so I decided to book that session. And then she made me realize, because she was so, what happened today, that sort of thing, that leads to that, right? Because sometimes you don't realize it yourself unless somebody guides you through it. Yeah. We realized while talking that actually it was because um, it was my ex-boss's birthday and then my former teammates were going out with mm. her like to throw a surprise for her. So I think that was what triggered it because I realized I missed them. Mm. I missed having friends in the office mm. because that time I was working from home. So that's what triggered the whole thing. So it's really good to actually talk to someone because sometimes you yourself you think you know yourself, but sometimes you really don't. Yeah. <laughs> like you said, right? You you cannot see from the outside. So until she guided me, of course, in the end, I was the one who answered my own question. But then somebody needed to guide me to find that. Yeah. So it, it was really helpful. Imagine you want to write something and it's just a blank piece of paper staring at you. It's very intimidating. But if you have that somebody maybe asking you questions, you know, giving you a nudge, Maybe, have you considered this? Have you considered that? Then all of a sudden, it becomes easier and easier. Kind of let it flow. Like you need a guiding hand sometimes, right? Exactly. Now I'm curious. What are the things that they can offer? What if I tell them, hey, I have a problem. I have tuition fee that's due to me. <laughs> I, don't, I don't have money. They cannot help financially. Oh. Obviously, it's just assistance with counseling, but I think they also offer assistance usually in helping you look for things that you need to book. For example, I want to know which restaurant, you know, they actually can look for you. So they're also like Siri or <laughs> Google or something. They could help you with those kinds of things oh, as well. So it's not just the emotional aspects. But yeah, I think most companies nowadays offer that. And if you're afraid that, you know, they're going to tell your employer if, for example, you were depressed or whatever, they're not going to do that because it's private. Yeah, I can imagine there will be like very strict non-disclosure agreements, right? Because it's something very personal. Exactly. And you don't even need to provide your real name, I think. I probably used some alias because I was just <laughs> paranoid. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm curious. What alias did you use? Was it very remember. close to your name? Like, oh, my name is Hoidi. Like, Hoidi. Okay. <laughs> That happens to you sometimes, right? You you try to conceal your identity, but then you choose a name that's so close <laughs> to your real name. Not so clever on your part to do that. Yeah, but I think, I don't know, sometimes we are just too paranoid, like mm. Filipinos, right? We are afraid that people will judge us or our employers will judge us because we were depressed or something. But 
it's normal, right? That's what I realized also while talking to her, that what I was going through was very normal. Mm. Like, of course, you would be depressed. You are by yourself during a pandemic. Mm. So uh, it was good after that erase that you shouldn't feel so bad or you shouldn't judge yourself too harshly. That's the tendency, right? Yeah. For humans, we look at ourselves too harshly. For example, your friend does the exact same thing you do. You wouldn't look at your friend badly mm. because of what your friend did and yet you are too harsh on yourself isn't mm. it <laughs> why are we like this <laughs> right. and you've mentioned a good point as well that you were able to kind of isolate the trigger point right sometimes we experience something maybe all of a sudden you you hear a music you hear a specific song then kind of like reminds you of something and it, it compounds 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 and then you're crying like mm. you just listened to Mariah Carey and now you're <laughs> Carrying, yeah. So there are good that you're able to to isolate that trigger point. Yes, yes, exactly. Anyways, going back to our point, I don't even know how to wrap this up anymore. The point is, if you are going through a midlife crisis or you think you are, ask for help. Right? Mm. Do not just sit in your own thoughts because that's gonna maybe even literally kill you. Right? So you should just go talk to friends or. Talk to EAP or talk to a therapist, right? If you can. Yeah. And if you've exhausted all avenues, all people, reach out to us. Reach out to Banana Q Podcast. <laughs> We're not professionals <laughs> We're again. We're not professionals, but... Because sometimes, right? All you need is a listening ear. That's all it is. Yes. And somebody to let you know that what you're feeling is perfectly okay, perfectly normal. You just need somebody. You just need somebody... To lean on. <laughs> Cutie minute. Time minute. for our followers. Cutie minute. Your thoughts in our voice. Cutie minute. Not really one minute, but we're calling it. Cutie minute. So, our cutie minute are all comments on episode 50. What toxic comments should Filipinos stop making? And the first one is from Buhay Taglish, who said, Commenting on toddler's weights, too skinny or fat. Kasi I'm fat, bakit siya payat? My son has a long curly hair. Only girls have long hair daw. So I said, do you tell Jesus that too? Kasi pareho ang buhok nila. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I don't understand why people are commenting on toddler's weights as well. Unless the toddler is obviously unhealthy. Mm. But if they're a bit chubby, that's okay, right? Yeah, that's alright. That's totally fine. Cool. And our second cutie is Silly Gang Sagabi. Well, that's a very clever name. <laughs> Silly Gang Sagabi says, Kailan ka mag-aasawa? Kailan kayo mag-aanak? Bakit wala pa kang kotse? Tita, wala po kayong pake. Wow. <laughs> Galit, yarm. <laughs> These are very typical, irritating questions. Yes, exactly. And sometimes, they trigger midlife crisis mm. questions, right? Like, yes. many years ago, I think it was my brother, like, he was asking, why don't you have, like, any property in the Philippines? And then I suddenly, like, okay, why don't I have property? And then, then when I talk to someone about it, it's like, is that what you want? To have property in the Philippines? No, not really. Then why are you letting me bother you, you know? <laughs> like, maybe you would rather have your money in stocks or maybe you would rather use your money to travel. Different people have yeah. different goals in life, right? You shouldn't 
ask people these questions because it's annoying and it can trigger midlife crisis. Okay. Mm, don't let other people's <laughs> dreams become your dreams. I mean, why? Just so. <laughs> yes. Okay. So our third cutie is Elma. She said, "I have experienced body shaming in the recent years by Filipino colleagues. In my work, there are a lot of nationalities, and except for one Burmese, the ones that body shamed me are fellow Filipinos. Blow after blow to my self-esteem. Tambuka kanimo oy, which translates to 'You've become so fat.' Patabaka ng pataba, which translates to 'You're getting fatter and fatter.' And one Filipina asked, 'What's your lunch?' I responded, 'Pizza.' To which she exclaimed." Kaya ka naman pala tumataba, pizza pinagkakain mo. Oh. Which translates to, So that's why you're getting fat, because you've been eating pizza. I felt that I was being disrespected with all these comments. I withdrew from them and stopped mingling with them. I felt that if you can't respect me because of weight gain, I don't have to deal with you people. Yeah. yeah. I don't know, Filipinos are feeling close <laughs> so much to the point that they think it's okay to point out that you're fat. You know, which it's not, right? To me, if people who focus on those small things, appearances and all that, probably don't have anything substantial to talk. That's why they just focus on those little things. So, yeah, I kind of like treat that as a way of filtering uh, the people I engage into. Like if that's the type of conversations you wanna engage in, then yeah, maybe I'll spend my time with someone else. Yeah, you have a point. That means they are very superficial. They have nothing good to say. If you spend more time <laughs> with them, chances are it's just gonna be the same topic. So why would you waste your time? If that's not your drift, then yeah, move on. You know. Yes. <laughs> True. Okay. Next, please. Our next cutie. Next, is... please. Thank you. Next. <laughs> Eroragia. She commented. It's like in Filipino culture, they have this timeline. Like, if you got married, you need to have a baby after. Yung tipong pag age 30 plus ka na, and you're not married yet, they will say, Sayang ka naman? Huh? Bakit sayang yun? <laughs> also, if you're age 35 plus and married without baby, they will say, Mabuntis ka na, mahirapan ka na, magbuntis niyan. Seriously, they don't even know your plans and priorities, and yet they have so much to say. They're so judgmental. For them, parang kakulangan sa mag-asawa yung walang anak. Not imposing your beliefs to someone else. Oh, and she also tagged at Gleeful Talk Show, which is your guest host at that episode. I totally agree because we're all different. Personally, when I came here in Canada, my plan is to have a baby right away. Haha. <laughs> But this has changed, especially when I started working. Also, when I've learned how the situation of some Filipinos here who are having a hard time looking for someone who could take care of their kids. Yeah, that's so true. Though, I'm still open in the idea of having a baby. Like, I always answer to those who ask, if we'll be blessed to have a baby, we are ready. If not yet, me and my husband are still happy, content, and in love with each other. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that is true, right? Like, it's not never a good idea to ask people when they're having kids because in the Philippines, it's like super normal, but apparently it's, it's not because... Like we mentioned in that episode, you don't know what people are going through. Maybe the one you ask is infertile. Mm. Maybe they have gone through four IVFs already and they mm. really cannot have a kid no matter what happens, right? Or they've had a lot of miscarriages. Which makes me wonder, what is the vested interest of that third party of you having a baby? Will they be taking care <laughs> of the baby? <laughs> Maybe that's what you should ask if somebody asks you. <laughs> well, we haven't because we can't afford childcare. Are you willing are you, to take? Are you willing <laughs> to take? 
And then after that, they're not gonna ask. I promise. <laughs> that's a good uh, comeback. <laughs> yeah, that's so funny. That's it. Yeah, and maybe let's remind our cuties that if you've enjoyed this conversation, please consider giving us a like, a comment, or a rating in Podchaser. <laughs> dot com. Yes, dot com, please. Yes. <laughs> yeah, or on Apple Podcasts. Because uh, that really helps with helping other people to find our podcast, right? Mm. If you've reached to this point, like we're already 50 minutes in, that means you're really <laughs> enjoying it, right? Like, show us some love. Give us a rating. Let us know. And then maybe give us a comment as well and you'll be featured sometime in our Cutie Minutes. Yes, exactly. Thank you very much. And bye-bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.